1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping
2: and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
3: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt.
2: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
4: Find others on iTunes.
5: All right, Here I know. This is Dumpty
6: Dum sponsored by Managers.
1: This is Dumpty a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P here. Just P. Philippa Hall, a woman with a broken washing machine and a big bag of carrots and potatoes I bring out for every bleeding meal. And it should be Quentin Rayner, bespoke and contemporary, because he's got all the buzzwords. Let me tell you, we spent all yesterday checking the Wi-Fi because... Q is on holiday in the Bahamas, would you believe? So we spent all yesterday checking that, doing that, running checks. It was working brilliantly. Today, we've gone on, we've recorded almost two hours of the podcast for you. Yes, there were some delays, but it was working. Then a cockroach climbed out of Quentin's computer. We carried on. Then there were some more issues. We carried on. And then he had... um the power went out, basically. The power, the power went out completely and he wasn't able to upload any of his files. So I've just had a deep breath and um, I'm recording it all again. So I'm sorry. It's just me. There's going to be a message from Quentin at the end, but it's just me. I'm really sorry about this. I don't know how this is going to sound, but we're going to get through it because the great thing is we've got lots of calls from you and that's what makes this. So just bear with me as we stumble through it, because uh, more creaky than Darrington, nursing your adductors, there's you lot our dumpty dummers. This week's Morse Dumpty Dum tune is from our Stephen and the Morse code spells out the archers. Bravo. On this episode, we're lucky enough to hear contributions from Catherine, Claire from Clapham, our Rob, our Stephen, God Squad Mia, Glyn, Jacqueline from Brittany, Hannah in Maine, Jan in Vancouver and Anon of Ambridge. Just sadly, no... (laughs) No Quentin in the Bahamas. Honestly, you couldn't make this up. Plus, tweet of the week, Facebook Roundup and welcoming new members of our Facebook group and the Dumpty Book Dumb item, this time with author Geetha Lodge. Marvellous. Now, last week, I inflicted my own attempt at the Roundup. Thank you so much for your lovely comments. Honestly, thank you. Um, I'm sure that there are several of you who... Well, not just several, (laughs) probably thousands of you... (laughs) Uh, that hated the roundup. And I'm just apologise. You didn't speak up. You didn't say you hated it. So and Quentin obviously is on holiday and can't do the roundup. So you've got my singing again. I'm really sorry. If you can't bear it, fast forward two minutes, 20 seconds and you'll get through it anyway. So here is my roundup of the week now. Jen is cooking roast away while Brian eats his cold bits Trace is worried for her job but still goes to train cricket Adam Ian wild garlic chat while eating roasted sirloin Clary plans for cricket match then falls and injures her groin dumpty dum dilly dee dumpty dum dilly dee dumpty dum Dumpty, dum. Tracy preps job applications, looking at her CV. Cost is high for ending Alice Carter's matrimony. Clary states it's not her groin, it's strain of her adductor. Stella's there to save the farm and talks of fertilizer. Tam Brownlow starts interview. She knows the horror bins. Brian urges Adam to financially follow him. Questions about kitchen tech are not good for a Tracy. Brian's pocket's empty. There's no help from Adam Macy. Dumpty, dum, did dee. Dumpty, dum, dilly, dee. Dumpty, dum. Dumpty, dum. Clare is stuck at home, left out, she's sad and full of sorrow. Edward warns the crops might be too wet to spray tomorrow. Trace is skint and quite concerned she'll have to work with chickens. Jazza wants more dosh to help, applies to sell big kitchens. Blackout blinds are missing but pizza makes happy chaps. Jazz wins in orange tie, they'll toast job with peach snaps. Tracy plans to still apply to work at factory. She's not been told she gets paid lump sum redundancy. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm sorry. There will be a a helpline that we leave the telephone number for at the end of this episode for any of you that have been affected by the awful roundup and need counselling. Apologies. Uh, Yes, there will be one more next week because Quentin is still on holiday. but, But that's it. And I just hope we manage to sort the Wi-Fi out for next week. Otherwise, I don't know what we're going to do, apart from I will lose my mind. But there we go. Anyway, oh, I should say that there is a rather important announcement. Well, it is as far as we're concerned that we need to make, but we're going to leave it until the end of this episode. Hopefully, Quentin will have called in and been able to leave a couple of minutes <laughs> message for that. So stay tuned, folks, please. Um, it's quite it's quite a big announcement, but uh, hopefully Quentin will be there to to make it, honestly. Anyway, that's enough about us. Let's just park all that and let's get on to the important bit, which is you our lovely caller-innerers. Hello, Ambridge 3962. And first of all, we have Catherine with views on those terrible interviews.
7: Hi, it's Catherine. It's Tuesday night, so I wouldn't have heard all of the end of this, um, obviously, but I've just listened as I'm going to sleep to that episode with Tracy in her interview and my god does that bring back many memories for me well one particular memory for me I've been that unsuccessful but I went for what I probably now regard as sort of the final push in my career to go for a promotion and I was not quite as bad as Tracy but it was just awful and I hadn't prepared enough looking back and to be honest I wouldn't have been able to do the job as well as the person who did get it but that feeling of just wanting to walk out of wanting to say this is an utter joke and questions that afterwards you could answer perfectly and you just clam up. And I remember at the end of mine, the person saying, oh, you know, don't worry. Um, you've answered some of these questions really well. And I said, I think we both know that's not the case, which was about the coolest thing out of the whole awful, awful debacle. But it did take me a good couple of weeks to get over it. I think that That feeling of vulnerability and certainly for somebody I was in my late 40s at the time, realising that perhaps, you know, that was it really with careers. and, And I think also for Tracy, having that old school friend didn't help. I wonder if that was the best thing that Tam revealed that halfway through. So here's a special shout out and a nice, friendly biff on the shoulder for everyone who's ever had a horrific interview and just wanted the floor to swallow them up and seriously contemplated walking out of the room. That's it. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
1: Thank you, Catherine. That was a great call. Yes, Uh, Quentin said some really important things about this point. Because I work for myself, so it's a long time since I had to go through any of these really awful interviews. But he was talking about how at the BBC he'd gone for one particular uh, news presenter job, and he'd been told about how he should mention spin politics a lot. So he mentioned that and thought he did well, um, and didn't get the job. And it turned out that the person who told him to mention spin politics a lot, well, was he really a friend? Because uh, the guy who was interviewing him absolutely hated that phrase. So. That that was quite interesting to hear. I'm just so sorry you didn't get to hear Quentin talk about that. Uh, there's so much Tracy could have said. You know, she'd be great at the job, I think. And the irony of then hearing her on the phone at work having to cancel people's bookings at Grey Gables and yet really... Being really positive or trying to be positive with the person, dealing with a difficult caller, and really trying to—yes, she couldn't resolve it in a great way because what could she say? The hotel's closed. She couldn't just reopen it for them. But she was dealing with it really well. These objectionable people, uh, and I just thought it's such a shame that she wasn't able to really shine in that interview. But oh, Catherine, I'm just um. Uh, i feel for you i do remember at school they had a lot of people come in from like local businesses and they would put us through different interviews and that's when i didn't have the words that i needed um but i can you imagine just sitting down realizing it's someone from school that would have thrown me completely but catherine a brilliant first call thank you so much and next we go to claire from clapham with a reflection on how the archers gets it right
8: Hi Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. Haven't rung in for a while. Um, I just wanted to reflect on how, you know, when we have quite a hard week, as we've had recently, um, you know, with people having difficult times, that the thing that the Archers really gets right with their sort of social realism um, is the fact that we really understand the characters because they're all so three dimensional to us. Um, and You know, I think that's where it really has some really great power when we're we're doing stories about, you know, people's experiences and experiences of difficult stuff. Um, We understand the dynamics, we understand the relationships that exist and the the kind of challenges that people face. Um, And I think, you know, that's why it can be really effective. Um, You know, sometimes these stories are done, you know, with people that are really sort of basically caricatures. Um, but that's not true in the Archers, particularly, and I think that's you know one of the things that we all love about it so much, isn't it? And you know, just reflecting on how realizing she was talking to someone from school totally undermined Tracy's confidence was really interesting because um you know, I don't know that the interviewer was being malicious about making Tracy feel small. I think Tracy just carries a lot of guilt around how. She managed herself at school and the diff, you know the difference that that made to her life, and she's talked about that um you know, and then that manifested in her losing her confidence really and it's such a shame because I think she'd be great at that job, and I'm sure we all do but um yeah, so it's just like we can really feel for people, can't we, in all of those things and um you know this this whole cost of living redundancy thing is gonna be a good example of that, I think, so um let's see what happens next, shall we? Uh, Keep up the good work and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Claire. Yes, you're so right. that It really is effective the way that that they've portrayed them. They're not just caricatures and these three-dimensional characters that we know and love. Um, But yeah, as I said earlier, just sitting down and realising it was someone from school, especially someone who at least thought they were superior. I, I don't know. I did get the feeling that the interviewer was being nasty. I thought that the fact that she repeated the question three times was a way of her just showing how superior she was. You know, if you were interviewing someone and they, you could see that they just weren't getting the question, you would couch it in a different way. You would say the words a bit differently because what you're interested in is not whether they have a brain freeze or not, but whether they can actually answer the questions and what they're going to bring to the company. Uh, I do remember that Quentin also said, about this that he thought actually it wasn't so much that she was being nasty, but quite possibly she just had a list of questions that she had to ask and then she had to perhaps score the candidate. Um, so, yeah, Quentin was wondering if if that was the case and that's where the, the character Tam Brownlow was coming from. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Interestingly enough, I had a look and the person, the actor who played that part is actually originally from Call the Midwife. So there you go. Fact of the day. Not not really that fascinating. But anyway, my question, though was what was in the box of Bridge Farm Goodies from Pat and Tony for Clary? I was very intrigued. We didn't get to hear about it. Was there a broken mug, some porridge and the band marmalade? I don't know. Or the rum barber. Could have been the rum barber. I'm not sure. But anyway, we need to move on. Claire, thank you so much for your call. And next we go to Rob, who's got a question for Quentin, which I'm now going to have to answer. And once you've heard the question well, then you'll understand uh, how, why I'm behaving so hysterically. But anyway, here's our Rob.
9: Good evening, Philippa Quentin and Dum to Dumbers all around the world. Yet again, more revelations from the private life of Quentin Rayner. Just how sophisticated is he? I mean, I've heard of Y-fronts, but A-fronts? And then there is the intimate details regarding the usage of said pants. Am I the only man who doesn't actually use the flaps in men's underwear? Years of last-minute rushing has ingrained the hasty yank out of the way into my psyche. The thought of trying to thread my bits, well, bit, through a flap round, down, out, just brings me out in a warm, wet flush. Anyway, to the archers. Is it just me and my working-class upbringing that wonders if all the suspicions surrounding Vince and his love to David and Ruth is due to him being written as a chancer, a nerderwell, a nouveau riche upstart. If he spoke as though he'd been through the public school system, rather than attending the same school as one of the Durans, I wonder if a much opprobrium would have been hurled his way. The thing is, ultimately, apart from a few dodgy dealings by the Grundies, the majority of crimes have been perpetrated by the middle classes in Ambridge. Hey ho, such is life. Take care.
10: Good grief.
1: Well, uh, after I've sort of uh, resuscitated myself after that, I don't know. Um, I do remember, well, actually, I don't remember a lot of what Quentin was saying because the Wi-Fi started to go at that point. There was a lot of talk about flaps and why it was good and access. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pretend that I didn't hear any of that and that, uh, in fact, there's a lot today. I'm going to pretend it hasn't happened. Uh, there's a lot I can't even begin to describe today. Anyway, Rob, you are a star. Thank you for that. Um, let let me dwell on the sort of Vince working class issue. I don't know. I just find anyone who's suddenly got a lot of money to throw around, I am naturally cautious about them. Uh, Justin and his money, I'm very dubious about that. The same went for Matt Crawford. So uh, I don't know. I just think it's me always trying to read into things, trying to guess what the script writer's going to throw at us in the future. Uh, Yeah, what is... We do judge, though, so I I don't know. Also, a question for everyone. I would ask this of Quentin if he was here, but we heard about cold tea loaf. Clary was offering Edward some cold tea loaf. I didn't understand why she had to say cold instead of hot tea loaf. Is that a thing? Because tea loaf, as far as I'm concerned, is like, I don't know, a cake with raisins in, a bit like a Christmas cake, but not, you know, the sort of thing, I mean. Why would you say cold? And then poor Brian eating potato salad and cold bit. Surely the potato salad is cold as well. I was very confused with the temperatures this week in in Ambridge, I have to say. But someone else who's confused, not by temperatures, but by the numbers, is our Stephen. He's been number crunching and ended up with indigestion.
10: Hello, you two. I'm really struggling to make sense of what's going on at Home Farm. I think we can safely assume that Brian and Stella's plan is not to try and hide assets from Chris, because that just won't work. Instead, the idea is to substitute Alice's share in the partnership for cash, which can be used to reach a financial settlement with Chris. And that cash is to come from the existing partners, presumably in proportion to their existing shares in the partnership. Three each for Brian and Jennifer, one each for Kate and Rory, and either one or two for Adam and Debbie, depending on whether their shares were adjusted when they each stopped working for Home Farm. But none of the partners are exactly flush with cash. Ian's redundancy settlement isn't going to be anywhere near the £100,000 that Adam probably needs to buy a one-share proportion of Alice's share, let alone if he still has two. And I can't see Kate or Rory having that sort of money either. And now that Adam has said no, it's not clear what would happen if some or all of the partners said yes the math gets pretty complicated pretty quickly. The whole thing is crazy, particularly as the scheme requires raising around twice as much cash as would actually be required to give Chris what he's entitled to. There is, however, a way to sort things out very simply. So here is my plot prediction. Jennifer will persuade Peggy to buy out Alice's share in the farm at a fair market value, and she will undertake to bequeath it back to the partnership if ever she dies. Everybody wins. Of course, that doesn't address the biggest mystery of the week. Why would anybody, and by anybody I mean Alistair, own an orange tie?
1: (laughs) Yes, Stephen. Why? Why would he wear an orange tie? I don't know. Is it so dramatic that it enables you to get whatever job you go for? Certainly didn't seem to hold jazz about, did it? But yes, very very bizarre. What else was bizarre for me was... Stella this week. I mean, Brian was just talking and Stella was straight in. Oh, Brian, are you worried about something? I don't know how she was spotting that. And then how did she get hold of the partnership agreement and then read it through and come up with some ideas for it? Surely Brian would have phoned his solicitor about the issue and got some information. I don't know. It was quite perplexing. Um, but Stephen, a great idea. If if nobody's got the money, it seems. But Peggy, yeah, Peggy could do it. Absolutely. I think that's that's a really, really good idea. So, yeah, Stephen, a superb call as always. Thank you ever so much. And there are more calls in a minute. In fact, the next one, I can't wait to play it for you. It's from God Squad Mia. It's hilarious. But just before that, if you're wondering how to call, here's how. Well, the easiest way for you to record a message or plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com slash Don't forget the T in the middle. And you'll also find a link in the show notes. We need your calls by 3 p.m. next Saturday. Apologies. Please keep them to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part. Well, back to our calls. And next, we have God Squad Mia, who's channeling Adam and Ian in the most brilliant way.
5: Hi, Philippa and Quentin and all dumpty-dumpeeps worldwide. This is God Squad Me, a caller in a from Newcastleland. Anyway, I'm on my own today, so it's a single-hander. Here goes. Well, Ian, what are you going to do with all that lovely money you're going to get from your redundancy? Adam, I was thinking of buying a pizza van and wild garlic. A pizza van and wild garlic that sounds like an interesting combination sure it is i want to set up a pizza business and i'm gonna call it wild garlic pizzas because i like seeing the words wild garlic at every opportunity well it sounds like you've got a plan anyway i'll give brian a call and tell him for his investment i'm out whatever you want to do adam I'm always behind you. I know. (laughs) Anyway, that's all from me. Take care and speak to you soon. Bye. Oh Mia,
1: you star that really made me laugh. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Uh, Yeah, Adam's voice does seem to have changed lately. Is this the stress-free life he's living? I don't know, but it, it did sound quite entrancing, which worried me a great deal. I do remember that Quentin said he'd seen some other people comment on Twitter about how entrancing Adam's voice had appeared to them. Um, But of course, uh, the Wi-Fi went, so I didn't hear which people he was talking about. But anyway... There we go. I'm sure this episode is utterly fascinating for you. Uh, Again, I just apologise for this. But yeah, Adam's voice seemed lower, but just seemed happier. Ben's voice also, I know not this week, but previous weeks, he sounded like he's got a much lower voice. Uh, I know the actor's been doing a lot of theatre work in Choir of Men, so maybe that's had an impact. But I did feel that. Is that just me? Did, Did you think that as well? Uh, Adam does seem very relaxed now they've got no work on. So he's like a a farm labourer, which is absolutely fine. And Ian is going to have this sum of money. But why is that making them even more relaxed? It just seems very privileged that they think everything's going to be fine. Whereas when they were both working full time and actually earning some money, obviously, that's when the stress goes. But again, privilege, because if they don't have to work that hard and, and have that stressful life, well, you know, lucky them, the rest of us still seem to. Uh, but I do remember that Quentin made the point that it seemed very one-sided that Ian was completely behind, as says he, Adam, whatever he chose to do. So if it was a case of, oh, right, let's invest the money into the partnership for Xander's future, Ian was saying, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then Adam said, Oh no, I've changed my mind. We'll invest it in this pizza van or this food delivery, whatever service. it was, oh yeah, that's that's fine. So when when is Ian going to get stronger? When are we going to hear Ian being himself again? Um, but yeah, Mia, you are a star. That was a brilliant call. And now we go on to another great call. And this is Glenn, who's having a job, getting his head round job shortages in Ambridge.
11: Hello Dumpty Dum, it's Glyn here. Greetings to all in Dumpty Dum land. I must confess I am a bit confused this week and I think a number of other listeners are too about the Tracy and Money story. Um, first she works in the hospitality sector, there is a countrywide shortage of hospitality workers so surely one would expect there'd be a um, Somewhere not too far away from Ambridge that would employ her pretty quickly, in fact, it's a little bit surprising that employment agencies haven't been ringing up the Greg Abel staff and trying to get them on their books um, already. Um, and then she is going she's still in work at the moment, so she's still being paid. She's going to get a redundancy payment plus on top of anything statutory, three months of um, additional wages from Oliver. So there doesn't seem to be an immediate need to panic and go looking for jobs at the chicken factory. Perhaps the scriptwriters are trying to introduce a story about the cost of living crisis, but it seems a pretty strange way to go about it, Um, particularly as towards the end of this last week, the stories seem to be getting resolved anyway. So I have to say I'm 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 a, I'm a bit confused, but I guess at least it keeps us away from further tribulations of Chris and Alice. And I do wish one of the village elders would sit them down and say, "Look, Chris, you give something up on uh, custody and uh, money rather, and to Alice, you give up something around the uh, uh, wanting full full um, full control over Martha or or full uh, full custody over Martha." Um, anyway. That's enough from me. Um, have a great week, everybody. Stay safe and thanks for the podcast.
1: Glenn, thank you so much for that. Yeah, absolutely. There is a shortage of hospitality um, workers at the moment. So why why aren't people, why aren't agencies getting on the phone and why doesn't Tracy understand she's going to get this money? I just wonder if she's never had, when I say proper job, I'm even doing speech marks with my fingers, but because she didn't know about the procedure when Oliver was unhappy with her, when he'd found her in the, the bedroom with Jazza and she thought she was just going to lose the job straight away. She didn't actually know about procedures and about getting warnings. So I wonder also if she doesn't know that she will be t- entitled to this. I mean, surely Roy would have said, but who, who knows what's going on there. And also, just looking at Grey Gables, why is Oliver exhausted? Because he's just hiding in the bedroom with uh, Adil Shah not... Actually, doing anything, he's not making any of the calls. And why are they looking to close it for 12 months? Because when there was the fire, what two years ago, they had to redo a lot. They closed it then, they redid certainly the kitchens and some of the rooms because there was smoke damage. There was a lot of work that went on. And kitchens are expensive things to redo. So again, unless they're looking to just close the hotel, knock it down and start again, you wouldn't close it for 12 months. You'd maybe close a wing and redo it, upgrade the rooms, maybe that sort of thing. Uh, But I don't know. And then I thought, well, can they? Is it a listed building? Um, I tried to find the date it was built and failed miserably. Apparently it was originally a country club and it's built in a Gothic Victorian style. And some buildings of that uh, time and style are listed. But I couldn't find out. I failed you, I know. But I couldn't find out if they were listed or not. So there we go. Glint. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Weird things are going on at Grey Gables. And now let's go on
6: to Jacqueline in Brittany, who's very happy to see things patched up in Borsetshire. Hi, dum dee around the world. This is Jacqueline Berto in Sanguin in Brittany. I'm out on my early morning walk with my dogs and just listened to Thursday's episode... I've been really impressed by the empathy thrown, shown by the couples at the end of this uh, Thursday's episode with um, Tracy and Jazza, I brought a tear to my eye. Plus Adam and Ian, they weren't quite as horribly wooden and something as they often are. But the couple I really liked listening to this week was Susan with Clary. Clary was uh, so down in the dumps and Susan came and lifted her up. But as a, Someone who messes around a lot with bits of fabric, according to people around me. I do an awful lot of patchwork. I'm actually paid to do it quite often. Um, And uh to hear patchwork being talked about as a wonderful skill and a beautiful, uh, uh, with a beautiful outcome, really, really pleased me. Because that's one of the things I think always has been missing in Ambridge. Apart from a Lillian and um, uh, Linda knitting thing a few weeks ago, a few months ago, maybe a few years ago, we don't hear much about people doing handicrafts. Whereas around me, I know so many people who do something. I know men who knit. I know uh, women who knit, crochet, sew, and uh, make us have a skill of cake making just for the fun of it, uh, cake decorating, and sometimes these all turn into little kind of cottage industries. And I've always thought that was lacking in uh, in Ambridge. So very delighted. And just in case people don't really know what patchwork is, it was described to me uh, uh, by a friend who does not sew and has no interest in sewing. I didn't understand. You take these beautiful large pieces of fabric. Egg, cut them into small pieces and then sew them back together well yeah that's the fun of patchworking and well done clary for doing it um have a great time thank
1: you jacqueline yes well done clary i love the music susan was listening to when clary tried to get into work i think it was working nine to five I thought it was nice i was concerned that clary was taking paracetamol because i pretty certain not medical advice that uh, ibuprofen would be better. And why didn't they just call Lee? I mean, OK, they wouldn't call a doctor or a physio or go to AE, but Lee might have some knowledge of what to do with those sort of injuries and he could bring his Wolverine uh, toy round and they could... Have a little chat and try and help Clary. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was it's lovely to hear Clary doing that and to know that you're doing that as well, Jacqueline is is wonderful. um I just think that's great. Yeah, Jacqueline, you're a star. Thank you ever so much. And now we go to Hannah in Maine, who's locked on to and Tracy, but little else.
0: Hi, it's Hannah in Maine here. Hello to all the dumpty Dummers all throughout the world. Since Quentin is at the other end of the East Coast of the United States, I thought I'd call in with just a couple of thoughts about this week's Archers. I never really have understood the relationship between Jazzer and Tracy, but I think Friday's episode showed a much different side to the relationship than has been done before. Um, we know that Jazzer's always very compassionate and caring, but I think that he really showed it to Tracy this week. Um, with the redundancy issues going on at Gray Gables. I think that Jazzer will probably do a great job as a kitchen salesman, but I think he also is going to get a little bored being inside, even if he will be chatting with people on the phone. Otherwise, for me, the week was fairly um, unrememberable. I don't really think the rest of the storylines caught my ear as much as Tracy and Jazzer did on Thursday's episode. So I hope everyone's well. I hope you're having a great weekend and I look forward to the podcast and next week's archers. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
1: Oh, thank you, Hannah. Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to look forward to this podcast. (laughs) It's just me and it's a disaster. Thank goodness you've called in and everyone else has called in because that's, uh, that's the only thing that's going to save it. I do wonder, though, with Jazza and Tracy, wouldn't they be good at being a delivery team for the Bridge Fresh app? Because... Oh, Natasha and Tom are going to be slightly busy with the twins soon and not able to focus as much. And I think they'd be really good dealing with customers, delivering the goods and just running that for them. I think they'd be a, a, a great little team. And is going to have some hours. I mean, I know his hours at Barrow Farm have been cut back, but still he's going to be doing that and doing the kitchen job. That's not going to be a couple of hours a night, surely. So he's going to be exhausted and I just hope... That doesn't make Tracy feel more guilty. I just hope it's all going to be okay for them. Anyway, Hannah, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate it. And now our last call is from Jan in Vancouver and she is calling. Well, first of all, I should say Jan is the ukulele player. How wonderful is that? I mean, Jan, thank you so much for taking my... Slightly unhinged idea and just running with it. I really appreciate it. And your ukulele playing is phenomenal. But anyway, Jan is calling to make a prediction.
12: Hello, Philippa and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is Jan calling from Vancouver. And I have a couple things. First, um, I'm excited to share that I finally, after all these years of listening to Dumpty Dum, I finally have a dumpty-dum friend who is actually within driving distance named Emily, Emily Pettingell. It was such a fun discovery to realize that she's so nearby. We've had a lot of fun messaging back and forth about various issues related to the archers. The other thing is I want to make a prediction. I think Alice is in her new kind of guise as a more caring, kind person. I think she is going to relent when she realizes what could be lost with the family's money and farm. And I think she's just going to relent and say, no, I'm going to try to work it out with Chris. So I think that's the plan, eventually. But they'll have to put us through a lot of tension first. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, Have a great day, everyone. Bye.
1: Thank you, Jan. That's wonderful. And thank you again for your marvellous ukulele playing. Yeah, I like that prediction. I wonder what will happen. I don't know. I just, um, yeah, I'll be really intrigued to hear that. I think that's a great prediction. And how wonderful that you've been uh, able to connect with Emily and meet up with her. I just love that about dum dum It's a family, you know, wherever you are in the world is a family. If there is anyone right now in the Bahamas who has a source of electricity, then, then please get in touch because. Um... Paul Quentin really needs that. And uh, yes, anyway, there we go. Jan, thank you very much. So those are the calls. But you can also send us an email if you prefer. So you can visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please keep them brief, up to a maximum of 250 words. Like the calls, please get your emails in by 12 noon on a Saturday. Remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. And we need to say huge thanks to M.A. Smith UK for their review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, my goodness. It made me dance for joy. So thank you to see that. Uh, And I know Quentin is very grateful as well. Let me read it out to to you. Um, They wrote this. The Arches itself is a bit hit and miss at the moment, but this podcast is consistently must-listen entertainment of the highest quality. Wow. Thank you, M.A. Smith UK, so much. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Once you've listened to this episode, you're not going to be writing that review. Please don't give us a bad review for this episode. You don't know how many hours of blood, sweat and tears have been spent on this, please. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Those are all our corner inners. But now we have an email innerer. And it's such a shame that Quentin isn't here to just be mortified by this. But the email is from Anon of Ambridge and they say this. Dear Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, please can you help me? I've heard that there are jobs going in Ambridge selling kitchens and I'm thinking of applying. I like toasters and also kettles, but I'm not as keen on microwaves. What do you think? Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. Anon, I'm really glad that you like toasters and kettles. I'm not sure why you don't like microwaves, but I don't think selling kitchens is perhaps your natural territory. And I think, well, I mean, have a word with Lily because she seems to be referring anyone to her boss for a job. So have a word with Lily, but don't don't put too much hope on it and just have a look around. Find something that suits you. Maybe get some more qualifications. I think if you're looking for any job that involves the written word, um, your, your spelling might need a bit of work, but Anon, we love you. We love you just as you are, so don't worry
2: about it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,
1: Well, thank you for all your calls and emails. We love them. Do keep calling in. And now on to Dumpty Book Dum. You're aware I host the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Well, I was talking to Geetha Lodge about her new book, Little Sister. And of course, we discussed The Archers. So, Geetha Lodge, whose latest book is Little Sister, which is out on the 28th of April, welcome to Dumpty Book Dum.
3: Oh, it's lovely to be here. It's lovely to be here.
1: Well, you have some memories of listening to The Archers, I believe.
3: I do. So for me, it's an incredibly nostalgic thing to talk about because I basically just listened whilst I was at university um, in a very, what I felt was a very uncool move. Um, I got really obsessed. (laughs) Um, I was living a very busy life whilst I was at uni. I Took up rowing in a very big way, and I did a lot of theatre. I was doing about three plays every term, which was a slight overcommitment to be honest. So my daily schedule would be getting up horribly early in the morning at about sort of five o'clock to go rowing, doing an outing, coming back, having a brief nap. I'd work in the morning, and then after lunch, I'd feel really like I'd have a little slump. And so basically, tuning in at about two was perfect. So I would then put the arches on and catch up on the previous day and it just kept me going because otherwise I don't honestly think I would have had the focus to be able to to keep working in the afternoon or what then often happened which was go to rehearsals for something after that um, and then move on with my day so it became a real, a real ritual and what's actually very funny is one of my theatre friends came in to see me whilst I was in the middle of listening on a particular afternoon I remember this very distinctly in my first year and she was just so scathing she was like what are you doing? And she then sat with me and listened to a bit, and then she got hooked. And so then we became the archers people, um, and uh, and we started making it a regular thing where we'd sit in one of our rooms and listen. So there we go. You, um, it wasn't uncool at all, and um, and it was just it was gorgeous. So. Um, basically that's that so that era of my life uni and being very sleepy and kind of a bit overworked but just taking that time every day it's 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 incredibly nostalgic for me and so 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 linking it with listening to the archers is you know anytime i i hear the theme tune that's that's where i am and it's it's lovely
1: uh, lots of layers, and, and yes. um, where else we see lots of layers, Tenuous Link, is your book, <laughs> Little Sister. <laughs> that was a very tenuous I love link. That link, but anyway, I love that link. we'll go with it, we'll go with it. Can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch for your wonderful book?
3: Oh, I will. Um, so, it's uh, a complex uh, complex blend of uh, proce- police procedural and psychological thriller. Um, it opens with uh, my series character, uh, Jonah Sheens, who's a DCI, having a quiet drink in a pub garden and a rare moment of peace when a young woman of 16 arrives uh, she's covered in blood she's also very calm and very collected and when he asks her if she needs his help she says that she is fine but that her sister might not be but she won't then tell him where her sister is until he's listened to everything she has to say which turns out to be a very complex involved and game playing story.
1: Fantastic. Well, Geetha Lodge, author of Little Sister, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much. Now to Facebook. And we need to say an outdo to you to Colin, Rachel and Ian, Bonnie, Fiona and Lizzie. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup with our Katie.
4: Hey, up my ducks! You got me again. It's Katie here at KTPland on Twitter and Instagram. Quite a bitty week in Anbridge and on Facebook this week. The topic that got everyone talking the most was the Tracy and Jazza job interview storyline. Kate Lyle commented, saying, "Now that felt real. Well done, Jazza, but all oh, poor Tracy." Keith Rawlins and Rob Williams both contributed a few posts each about this topic, and there were lots of replies flying about with a different idea for job prospects and money solutions. Definitely worth a scroll. Karina Davis' main puzzle from this week's episode is that the bespoke kitchen interviewer remembered various details of Tracy but had no mention of Clive. Surely he's the most memorable horribly. Stephen Bowden got his calculator out and worked out how much it's going to cost the Aldridges to buy out Alice from the partnership. There were a lot of zeros involved and a good discussion in the comments. Natasha Cern posted and said, nice one, Stella. I'd be happy to see Chris lose this one. And Pete Ranson asked if it was just him or would the relationship between Susan and Adam be a little more strained at the moment, considering the Alice and Chris situation and found it all a bit unbelievable. In other news, the challenge was set when Mellie mcmurray congratulated our Stephen with last week's theme and then praised Philippa on her singing, and she dared Quentin to top that. Stephen Bowden and Kate Nichols shared links that reminded them of the Rory and Julianne storyline. Caroline Green misses listening to Dumpty Dum, but she's having another break from The Archers and wonders if anyone else takes breaks from listening too. You might wonder what's the point in me saying this if no one's listening, but apparently quite a few people take breaks from The Archers and still listen to Dumpty Dum, so I'm not completely mad. Caroline Slavica asked if there are any Dumpty Dummers in the Czech Republic, so if you're from around there, please comment on her post and say hi. Later in the week, another challenge was set, this time from Witherspoon to Carolyn Wright, regarding Ian's pizza oven and fairy light invention. Check out her post for a great script. Pam Delai wondered if Clary was about to burst into a bit of Gina G after her groin injury. Love it. Bonnie McLean is one of our new members and said she's been listening since 2007. So welcome to the party. Liz Newman shared a possible new job for Ian. Gavin Henson's apparently offering a 45 grand salary in a desperate search for a chef at his pub. After Susan's description of the chicken factory, Witherspoon wondered if she was describing that or the Hammer House of Horror. There's some clucking good chicken puns in the replies. And finally, Mike Jennings shared the news we've all been waiting for. Friday episodes are back on the 3rd of June. Huzzah! As usual, welcome to the newbies. Make yourselves known. Settle in with a cuppa and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, ta
1: ta Thank you so much, Katie. And to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Well, you'll also find us on Twitter at Dumpty Dum. Please try and include the Archers hashtag, including a capital T and A, so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet-along. Now, as Quentin is away, well, he's away on holiday, so he can't do the tweet of the week, but also he's away because of his of his power gone Um, but fortunately we have got the multi-medalist rosie porty who you'll find on twitter at porty rosie to hand out the gongs this week
11: hello it's fry here Uh, no not that one and now on dunty dum it's time for tweet of the week
13: Hi, it's Rosie Porty here with Tweet of the Week. And in bronze position, we have at Nimzi. And this is in relation to the wonderful Brine. The cravat and tassels only truly cares about himself and Ruri. The rest of the brood, he tolerates. Ruri is his legacy. And coming up in silver position, we have at Sarah underscore Mattox. Working at the chicken factory seems to be the Ambridge equivalent of entering the workhouse. And in gold position, we have the wonderful Kate, Kate, Kate at Spiritually Kate. I don't need house space. I have my granny to sponge off. I mean, support in her old age and all my lovely yurts. And then just finally mentioned in dispatches is the wonderful Charlie Notton at 19 cen. Tracy could sell fridges to the Eskimos, given a fair interview.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Rosie. Really appreciate your help with that. And don't forget, we are on Instagram at Dumpty Dum. Well, we promised you an announcement. And uh, fortunately, I've got hold of Quentin. He's managed to leave a message. Uh, But, well, we really wanted to do this together, to tell you together. But basically, next week, we'll very sadly be our last episode hosting dum dum
14: Yes, hello everyone from the island of Eleuthera here in the Bahamas. I'm sorry that I couldn't appear in this week's podcast. Philip and I did try, but as she's probably explained, a, a combination of uh, poor Wi-Fi and a power cut did for us. We were halfway through the recording. But as she has no doubt told you, yes, this is our penultimate dum dum so next week's will be our last um and i I just want to let you know that there's no acrimony involved at all it's just a decision that we've come to between us Uh, i've personally loved presenting it but it does take a considerable amount of our time Uh, it is demanding in terms of time and um you know, here we are, the next two weeks are, are a case in point. I mean, I'm, I've willingly tried to co-host uh, the, the podcast over the next two weeks while I'm on, on holiday. But, um, you know, when you think about that, it's it's a bit daft, really, isn't it? Um, you see, we don't have any backup team at all. It's just Philippa and I. And the arches, it, it keeps coming at you, doesn't it? 52 weeks a year and soon to be five days a week. Co-hosting and preparing this big podcast means that we're always thinking about it and personally, I'd like uh, the time back now to do other things in my retirement and, you know, just return to being an ordinary listener to the show that we all love. So you can expect plenty of uh, tweets from me in, in the tweet along and, and Facebook posts from me in, in the future. But, um, yep, yeah, next week is the last one. So um, give us a, a great send off next week by uh, uh, providing us with a bumper crop of calls, please. And uh, fingers crossed the Wi-Fi will be up for me to uh, take part properly.
1: Thanks, Quentin. Yes, yeah, so hopefully the Wi-Fi will work next week. Um, For me, yeah, it's a Dumpty dum has been the most amazing experience. I have loved it, but I do have some family issues. My son has not been well for about the last five years and the last couple of months have been particularly hard. Nothing serious, 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 but serious enough for us. And he's now been on put on 10 medications a day. And it's it's impossible to manage dum-de-dum and doing that. And I have to put family first. It's just one of those times that's a bit tricky for us. Um, it's... It's really upsetting to have to step down, but it is what it is. And thank you all so much. It's been so much fun. I've loved hosting. i loved hosting it with Quentin. We've had a lot of fun and uh, we will do a proper send off next week. Or, and I should just say, in fact, Quentin's just sent me a text to remind me to tell you that please don't panic. Dumpty Dum, the podcast is going to carry on. Um, maybe a slightly different format, but it's carrying on. So do keep getting your calls in and everything's still there on Facebook and Twitter. So don't worry, it continues. It's not about Quentin Knight, it's about the community of dum-de-dum and that carries on. So there you are, that's it. Uh, as ever we need to say thank you to all our contributors and our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V Freeman and Royfield Brown. So we've got this far. Thank you. I'm sorry it's just been my voice droning on. I can only apologise for that. Quentin has tried everything to make it work. But my goodness, thank you, everyone that's called in, because without you, I don't know what we'd have done. And for the Facebook roundup, tweets, everybody, thank you for all your help and support. So, Quentin, I hope you're okay in the Bahamas. I hope you get your power back. And uh, to all of you lot, just a a big hug. Thank you so much for listening. It's a bye-bye from me.